What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the By the Hood podcast slash webcast, because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host, as always, Jimmy. I got my brother, Corey, in the building. Corey, what's going on? What's going on, Jim? How you feeling? I mean, I can't complain. Ain't nobody listening. I'm fair and partly cloudy. Um, but listen, man, uh, this is episode 24, I believe. Yeah, 24. Man, we moving. Um, and as we continue to do, we're going to bring entrepreneurs, people doing work in the community, people doing anything positive. Um, our city, all around the world, we want to make sure we highlight them and um, give them a chance to tell their story and share with our audience. So um, we got another person with who's, who's in our local market. I mean, Philly is killing it. Like we talk to people from all over the world, but we have a lot of people right now, local market who, who are doing amazing work. So um, a little bit of background before we get started. This brother right here uh, is a franchisee, Liberty Tax. He has multiple locations. He's an investor. He's a specialist when it comes to the tax game. And, you know, tax season is fast approaching. So we got to make sure we pick his brain core. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to let him tell his story without further. But before we let him tell the story, people out there, make sure that you share this content. Um, subscribe. Hit this, Please smash the like button on YouTube. Give us five-star rating on all the podcast platforms. We appreciate those that have done so. I saw some people actually have done that. Um, and it's definitely appreciated. We appreciate all the shares. Salute to our community on um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the people that are, you know, following us as we, um, you know, continue to build this library of content that's going to live on forever and ever. And subscribe to our newsletter, too. You can do that at bodyhood.com. But let's get to this week's guest, man. Um, told you a little bit about him, but uh, I just want to welcome you, Brother Camille. How are you today? I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me on your man. show. It's definitely a pleasure. Yeah, man. So I, I know a little bit about what you do. Um, Corey was telling me a little bit about what you do. And, you know, it's very impressive, man. You, you've built an amazing, amazing career thus far. But um, before we get into that, give us a little bit about your background. Where are you from? Are you from Philadelphia? Where'd you go to school, college, and, and things like that? Uh, background, uh, actually was born out in Cali. Probably came to Philly when I was like one or two. I uh, was actually, I guess, for a year, for a few years, lived in an area, I don't know if it's still called, but lived down the bottom, not too far from uh, uh, Drexel's campus. From there, I went to Lower Marion, was there for a couple of years, and my parents then pulled me out of there, probably would have played on the same basketball team with Kobe Bryant. Uh, from there, went to uh, Sheltonham, so when I was like nine or ten, went all the way up through the Sheltonham High School system. Uh, from there, went to college at North Carolina A&T, got a degree in accounting. Uh, after that, moved back to Philly. Um, well, I actually moved back to my parents' house. Moved out of my parents' house when I was 24, moved to Germantown. Lived in Germantown for 15 years, and then a couple of years ago, I was fortunate fortunate enough to buy my grandparents' house and redo it, and and kind of keep the house and the family. And so I'm I'm out in Winfield, yeah, okay. so local local guy. Okay, so at North Carolina A and T, um, what did you major in? Uh, accounting. Uh, well, I, I would I would actually say you know at the t at the time, well, in reflection, yeah, I did accounting, but. I would tell people time management. Like, I mean, I had to figure out how do, how do I fit in 24 hours my my sleeping, my partying, and then somehow get my schoolwork done in 24 hours. I mean, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of my friends, they they looking and say, "Damn, I don't know how you made it to class." Like, you know, I was out with you, but you know, I, my dad wasn't letting me go more than four years, so I had to. You know. <laughs> that, that that was that was actually very problematic for me. My freshman year of, of college, I think I got the worst grades I did in my entire academic career. Yeah. Trying to do exactly what you just said, because um, to be completely honest, in retrospect, I don't think I was ready for college when I went. Oh, but, um, which leads me to a question for you, right? So, with um the student uh, loan debt crisis that's going on, um, 
what would you suggest if you if you had a young one coming up prepared to go to college would you suggest college trade school how would you how would you suggest like do you see the still see the same value in college that you did when you went um i mean it's hard to say like i i would say that like I, i've i've said this plenty of times to people where i feel like you should have you should want to have an income producing skill as soon as possible so i would say like i would if i did have i don't have a child but if i did i would probably encourage them to get some type of like trade or craft like almost immediately then go to college also you're a little more mature like two years out of school so maybe you're 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 a little more disciplined uh as far as how you're going to take school seriously and also like if you have a skill if you can cut hair while you're in school you can constantly always make money for yourself but I don't know if, if college is necessary, but I do. I think the the um, the discipline that it that it entails if you're able to graduate the um, and also like picking the right degree, like like my degree accounting and retrospect is like I I do basically two major things uh, when it comes to just finance financial things. Like I, I spent a lot of time doing bank reconciliations and taxes. Taxes was literally one semester optional to take a second semester. Bank reconciliations was about uh, one, like a, a paragraph in the accounting book. But I've, <laughs> I've spent, you know, a big portion of my career doing it. And then the other stuff, I mean, it was helpful, helped me, helped me to think. But I don't know if it was worth the. Um, I mean, the experience was worth it. But as far as like just the the education, like I, I'm a firm believer, like your education never really stops. You have to keep mm-hmm. learning. I probably have spent a good amount of my own money, time, resource, whatever, just to get whatever kind of education I could, just whatever I thought I might, might have needed at the time. So it's like, it never stops for me. Like, I mean, I, as uh, you know, Corey had just hit me up. I was actually look, going through like a, a market update, just trying to you know, constantly trying to get more information. So, but to answer your question, I feel like get a skill first, then go to school, unless you already have a school, unless you already have a skill out of high school that you can make money from and then go to school. But I mean, I don't, it's, it's, it's difficult to say, like, I don't, I think each for every person is different, but I would definitely believe that you, if you could have an income producing skill first, I would move in that direction. Got you. Got you. Just want to um get your perspective. We'd like to ask that to a lot of people. That's because, actually, um, that's actually a different answer than most people give us. <clears throat> yeah, most people yeah. say go or don't go or go to trade school or don't. He said do both, like get a skill and then hit, hit the but, books. What's interesting about his answer, right, is, is something that, um, you know, I talk to people all the time about this, which is just because you don't go right away doesn't mean you're not going to go. A lot of times we try to force people to fit within this box of you have to go soon as you finish high school. You got to finish in four years. And that's just not that's not the real world. Like, you know, it's never too late to go. Like we see people graduate college at all ages. I understand why people say that, because they feel as though if you don't go right away, you're never going to go. But it's all about to me having a plan. I do see the value in it, but um, I also see how it's lost its value because, man, I mean, in my day-to-day life, man, I know a lot of wealthy tradesmen. Let's put it that way. Right. A lot of tradesmen. But um, and getting back to your career, so what I find interesting just just off bat right now is that you're you're one person who um actually does work within your major. Um, <laughs> there's not too many people that. That we talk to that have done that. People well, majoring all kinds of things and end up doing all kinds of things. But you, it, it didn't start like that. I mean, it, it actually, I, I probably went away from accounting. Like, I, I graduated, got an accounting job for like 18 months, then left accounting, and didn't really get back into accounting. Like, I left accounting in 2003. Never thought I would do anything with it again. But then, got back into accounting and or well, taxes in 2008. 
but it I definitely like I hated it. Like I uh it was like like oh no, like I thought I would never do this. But I mean it was just it was the format and how I was working. Like I was in corporate America, like you know, going nine to five. I just I hated it. Other people say like they didn't know how I could be complaining. I got this good job and this and that, but I just like I it wasn't for me. Okay. So so how did you make that transition? Like what all right, so what made you to say, I want to get into the franchise game? Um, how, like what, what led you to that? Um, well, what led me to the franchise game was like, it was a combination of a, of a bunch of different things all happening at one time. But, um, you know, I was buying real estate. I was trying to, you know, I was buying real estate, getting properties. But I, I kept feeling like my money kept being tied up. And like, I was always broke because I'm like, I'm like financing these projects myself or I'm going to a bank and they trying to get them to, lend me money but I got to jump through all these hula hoops and this and that I just I was getting frustrated I was listening to like uh, some Robert Kiyosaki stuff and he talked about having like a cash machine um at the same time I was uh because I got a little more into real estate I was I just kind of noticing different things like the um I noticed that Jackson Hewitt H&R Block they were they were only open four months out of the year but I know those landlords weren't letting them stay stay there uh rent free for eight months they had to be paying that rent so they had to be make that meant to me they were making a lot of money in a short period of time to be able to do that. Um, I went to a couple, like my parents were actually in the tax business, but okay. I, I never, like my grandparents had the tax business, but I've never actually saw the value in doing tax. I just, I actually thought it was stupid. So I never, I didn't, I never did it myself, but then, um, and then I read, uh, you know, this, that's, I listened to a Nas, I was listening to a Nas album, his uh, untitled album. And there's a song on it called We're Not Alone. And like, I think it's the last verse he talks about. He says, you know, uh, Reginald, Reginald Lewis, the first black billionaire before Oprah Bob Johnson, where did he disappear? Yep. And I was like, well, well who, who's this guy? So I looked from, him up. From Virginia State. Why should white guys have all the fun? Exactly. Had, had the book. This funny thing is the book has been in my parents' house, like was in my parents' house my whole life, but I never picked it up <laughs> until I heard, until I heard Nas <laughs> talk about it. Yeah, shot the so, Nas for that. <laughs> <laughs> I read read that book and that kind of just you know lit a fire under me and then just so happened that it was, I saw a Black Enterprise magazine and it had like it said like top hundred franchises top twenty five franchises under hundred thousand they had three tax businesses in there Ronnie Deutsch Instant Tax Liberty Tax I hit them all up Liberty Tax was the first one to hit me up I mean respond back to me they invited me down to Virginia Beach I went down and I just decided to give it a shot I mean I thought I would just like cut a check and make money didn't work out that way I mean when I went a couple years before I actually was able to make uh any kind of money from it but I was you know I was working I was I was basically yeah. living living in the tax stores uh you know it was just, just a so, process. so how many locations do you have now uh up to five now okay uh, and a call now, oh nice so so how long after having the first one before you started to expand um, my third tax season, I, I got kind of like, uh, kind of nudged. I wasn't necessarily ready, but I got nudged in the direction of getting another store. Um, and it, it worked out. It actually, it wasn't a full store. It was like, uh, we were in like a check cash in place. We had like three desks and a check cash in place on Shelton Avenue. Um, but it was the benefit of that though was, um, my, my overhead was low. And so I was able to keep like a lot of other places that might have had a lot of other people that had liberties that might have multiple stores. They were paying all these a lot higher costs. My overhead was low. So that was it allowed me to sustain. So we went from we went from there that year. Then we went we had a little kiosk, a little desk in a 
at Braun Island in the H check cashing, which was it was very profitable, but it was just it was just a crazy environment in there. So, you know, we, we went in there like two or three years and it was just also hard to staff because of the, the work environment. Um, and then, then the next year or the year after we went to like Walmart, like Liberty has something set up with Walmart. So we wound up going into Walmart on Aramango Avenue. So I basically had four locations. I had one physical location was at Fifth and Alamy. Then the other three were all like kiosk seasonal type things, but we were doing good numbers, but they were all like, uh, uh, they were all like seasonal. There wasn't no other another brick and mortar. But I just I decided like, hey, if, if we do brick and mortar, we can do more more business. We can do more uh, returns. I don't like my holidays were always shot because I'm always setting up on a different location and got to set it up and you know lugging and stuff back and forth. And I just frustrated all that. So uh, we just just left this uh, took a a chance and tried some uh, other. And just tried to set up open a store. Well, actually, Walmart kind of nudged me because they their rent went from four thousand dollars for the tax season to sixteen thousand for the tax season. I was like, man, for sixteen, I can just get a Whoa! Get my own spot. So, so, so where where are your locations now for the people watching? They want to see to visit one of your locations. Where are they located? Uh, at? You're all in Philadelphia, right? Yeah, all in Philadelphia, Fifth and Alney. Frankfurt and Harrison across from the Aria Hospital, uh, Shelton and Knox uh, across from the Family Dollar, a couple doors down from the um, liquor store. Everybody knows that. Uh, uh, what else? We had Broad and Broad I'm sorry, Broad and Rockland, Broad and uh, Chu, like between Broad and Chu, and I think that's Broad and Nidro, um, next yeah. to the a couple doors up from the, the Dollar General, Big Dollar General. So that's that's. It's a spot. car dealership out there, right? Yeah, yeah, a couple, like a block up. I think it used to be called Best Buy. I don't know what it's not sure. What yeah, it's that's called. one of them Jones that switch names all the time. I know you're talking about though. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you got some nice spots. You got two on Broad Street. Yeah, yeah. my man got foot traffic all over the place. <laughs> yeah, those those store those three stores are very close to each other. It's actually one of the um, it's like the number five or six <clears throat> top performing uh territory in the Liberty franchise system. Um, nice. I was going to ask you if you didn't mind sharing which one is like for you is uh your 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 best performing store out of the five you have. Uh well it's it's fluctuated over time but at the moment the the last 2 years the number one store has been the uh, Broad and Shoe store. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. So in terms of uh real estate investing, right? So you got into real estate investing before trying to get your your cash cow as you said uh, with the taxes. Right. Um what got you into real estate investing? Like, you know, so you got out of school, you had a corporate job, you were working taxes, and you said you got and, investing. And what kind of investor are you? What kind of real estate investor are you? Do you buy and hold or do you do you fix them and move them? Okay. All right. Um, so, Jimmy, were you done with your question? Or you, yeah, my yeah. question was just how you, what got you into that? And then you can, I guess you can, um, you know, um, at the same so, time tell us what kind of investor are you? So, so predominantly I'm a buy and hold type of guy. I, I may have flipped like one in my life, um, but mostly buy and hold. Um, but what got me in was like, I guess in high school, my dad was buying properties. I mean, he was buying them at the time. He was paying like $2,000, $3,000, you know, just even at, time, at a point, somebody offered him like a block. I think he turned it down, but I mean, he, he had a whole bunch of properties. And the properties, from my understanding, are what funded my college education. So, you know, I, that was that was the thing. I mean, he he was a guy. He had a lot of he had a lot of streams of income. I mean, he, I don't know if y'all remember Docs. It was a fast food place. You know the Docs. He mm-hmm. had a pretzel stand in the um, airport. 
I didn't, you know, I worked there. I didn't know at the time, like, he, you know, he said he was making just like a hundred thousand from, from the pretzel stand. He, oh, your pops is a hustler. There's one thing I take already from this is interesting, right? Cause you said your father, you said your parents were in the taxes. Your father was a real estate investor. So you kind of like, you know, somehow got Follow. in the family business without even trying to get in the family business, right? <laughs> but that just goes to show you that, um, you know, your, your children are watching and a lot of times, even subconsciously, they see what you do. So you knew from your father's like, you know, work that, you know, that paid real estate paid. Or, and also not only that, I mean, like that's type of stuff that those genes could just be dormant in you. Like, I mean, you know, just probably mm-hmm. the best, best examples, like seeing like now all the uh, second generation NBA players that are coming through, like, you know, yeah. it, it, what's the coincidence Like you just, your you know, your father did it or, you know, has that work ethic or knows what it takes and it just passed on to you. But I mean, it was that, but they never like forced me into any of those things. It was just more like I just got it on my own. But the, the real estate, I just felt I thought real estate would be a way. Like at the time, I had a, I guess I had a. Uh, this isn't my saying, but you know, I had an, a very ambitious, ambitiously lazy mindset. Meaning, like I, I didn't think I would ever. I didn't really want to work. I didn't think I would have to. But I, and I thought if I bought property, I wouldn't. That just means I could sit back, make money, and not work. I mean, that's that's the farthest thing from the truth. Like. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's not reality at all but that's what I thought would give it would give me that life um but you know so that kind of was why I got into it and I just thought I could I thought it would be an easy way to make you know passive income and you know I was given a lot of like my dad he didn't um he didn't tell me what to do but he would just like like give me a book so here read this and I would read it and I'm like oh wow you know and then we might talk about it like I think the first book he gave me when I came home from college was uh, Rich Dad's Guide to Investing, which was I think his third book, which mm-hmm. kind of just you know just blew my mind as far as like what the possibilities are are what I what I could do. And I mean, speaking on that, like I just want to say real quick, like I, I used to complain about Robert Kiyosaki stuff. I felt like he was uh he never told you exactly what to do. Like you know why why doesn't he tell me exactly what to do? So I can, and it was just like all theory, but like in reflection. That's that's the better thing. You don't want somebody to tell you exactly what to do because then you never learn. You you can't you won't you don't get a chance to go through the process to 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 get the experience that you need to to be successful, um, or successful in your eyes of what you want what you're trying to achieve. And so, like just having a philosophy or you know having the right philosophies is, is the most important thing. Like the what you're going to do with it is up to you. But if you had yeah. those philosophies, <clears throat> just he gave he like. Just in retrospect, that those books help with the plan, and, and many other books and mentors and stuff. Yeah, else. absolutely. So we we have a, we love books. We always talk about books on here. That's interesting because I've read all of Kiyosaki's books. Um, that one I think was the fourth. It was funny because he Rich Dad Poor Dad wasn't his first book. Okay. No, it wasn't. Yeah, he had a book before that. I actually have it. it, it it's like the only one that's not purple because that was before <laughs> the whole the whole purple thing. It's called um, if you want to be rich and happy, don't go to school. that's literally the name of the book but anyway um but i I did read that and it's interesting about kiyosaki because the one thing i will give him credit for regardless of whatever you think about his books his information is that he's changed a lot of people's lives oh definitely you know i'm saying because just from doing this show being in networking events talking to people the one thing people say is i read a rich dad poor dad and it led me off on this journey so gotta give him credit for that i don't know if i don't know if i've heard of any other book you know, outside of getting into religious texts where people tell me that it's changed their life. You know what I mean? So I mean, we're talking about books, but I would, I would say just off the top of my head, I think two good ones are uh, the four hour work week and um, 
you know, Think and Grow Rich, either Think Grow Rich, the regular one, or Think Grow Rich, a black choice, either one. Like, I think both of those books were I, actually the first personal development book I ever read was Think and Grow Rich, a black choice at 17, which I, probably took me like a year to read it. So I didn't really understand what was going on, but I, I, re- I went back and read it last March or April and it was, it was very profound, you know, just, just a yeah. good book. And, should... and, well, go ahead. I'm, go ahead. Now I was going to say, and of course the book we mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, why should white guys have all the fun? I mean, that was a phenomenal book. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely got to uh, mention that uh, always. That That's a very inspirational book. Um, yeah. Because your father was in the game and he gave you the books to read, what do you think is the best piece of advice he gave you as someone? He had experience in, in real estate and all that. What do you think is the best piece of advice he's ever given you in terms of real estate? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I hate to say this, but I, I kind of looked at a lot of stuff that I saw him do and I kind of did the opposite. I mean, I was <laughs> <kind of> like, <laughs> that's <a> nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's interesting yeah, that's okay funny. so and, so do you um just do residential or you do commercial or what's your specialty or do you do uh, a little bit of both i mean i don't i would like to get into commercial at some point but mostly it's residential i have a couple of those like mixed use uh buildings we got this the uh, storefront on the bottom and then a couple apartments on top and then i got all i think basically everything i have is like multi-unit so multi-unit par- apartments or those, uh, those mixed-use properties. But I would okay. like to get into other stuff later. Um, just I, nowadays, I'm you know I'm trying to find the opportunities where it's going to require the least amount of my time once it gets set up, and um, kind of the how I can set it up where it's um, it can kind of be more on a uh, automated type of thing. And I you know I feel like larger projects are easier to generate the revenue to actually be able to pull that type of stuff off. Um, so what's in terms of real estate, what's your long-term goal? Is it a specific cash flow number or is it a certain number of doors you want? Uh, it's, it's more just like, I guess a retirement thing. I don't necessarily, I don't have a, a figure for real estate. Um, it's just like, I guess it's all like, I don't, I just look at it more like I have a um, a portfolio, an investment portfolio. Real estate is a portion of that investment portfolio. Um, okay. Real estate, real estate. I feel like you know, once these mortgages are paid off, the ones that you know that that provides like retirement for cash flow. You got equity buildup, you got the cash flow, and so on. So then that's that's retirement. Um, you know, the, the faster you're without mortgages on your property, you know that you know that's now could be you can decide that gives you more options. Like, hey, do I want to? working something else or not i got these this passive income coming in so it's i don't really have like a like a target with, with that as far as numbers it's just like purpose the purpose of it is to create mm-hmm. a either an early retirement thing even though i would never like retire but i just i like i don't know if i cannot work like i, I like working you, mean, you enjoy what you're doing right yeah exactly yeah that's important that's definitely you never retire so, when you enjoy it, what you're doing because you're going to keep doing it you know what i mean you'll always trade your time to do that Definitely. And, yeah. and, and so, even, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, even like, like I, I feel like every year, like every couple of years, I find something new that I'm interested in. I'll go down like this rabbit hole where I, like now I just have like this new, this new thing that I'm into, like as far as just acquiring knowledge and trying to pull it off and make it happen. And, you know, just challenging myself constantly, like, you know, stepping outside of the, uh, the comfort zone on, that's my, important. on my box or whatever, you know, just kind of expanding it 
always. That's important. So, and, and, you know, um, I know you do other kind of investing. I want to get into that as well, but I just have to ask this question because as someone who's a tax professional, how does that help you as a real estate investor? Cause I'm sitting there thinking like a lot of, you know, I'm a real estate investor. And a lot of times, you know, I try to figure things out by asking people when it comes to taxes, because one of the benefits of being a real estate investor is, is, is taxes. So, you know, how do you find getting back into the tax business and, and going through this? How does that help you as a real estate investor? Since you started in real estate investing first and then went back to taxes, how has it helped you? Uh, well, I think, I think the first thing that helps people, like, what I feel like is like just a major skill that people constantly need to be working on, just like just plain old financial literacy. Like, uh, because taxes is one thing, but accounting, just general like financial accounting, like being able to track your income and expenses, like just being organized, like is a, is a big deal. But as far as how to the taxes, I mean, early on, you know, I know the, the taxes have kind of changed a little bit, but I know early on, you, you know, you can get, you can depreciation. Depreciation is a non, uh, uh, non cash deduction. So meaning you don't, so let's say you buy a house and it's hundred thousand dollar house, a residential house. IRS says you have, you have to write that off over 20,000. I'm sorry, over 27 years, 27 and a half years. You may have paid a hundred thousand for it, but with a mortgage, you only put your own actual money in, let's say maybe three, four, five thousand dollars, whatever the case may be. But you're able to write off something a hundred thousand dollars divided by twenty seven and a half over over that period of time. So that basically you 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 created a deduction. The problem is um, is that you know once your income starts getting you know at certain levels, then you, you kind of lose those deductions. So I'm I've kind of been coming across that a lot more as as like uh, my clients and my peer group like their incomes are increasing, like trying to figure out additional ways where they can. Uh, decrease their tax liability because it's you know yeah. a lot of the stuff that used to work it <laughs> doesn't work anymore <laughs> um do you find that uh when you start to have a client who say is a real estate investor that they're not taking full advantage of being one um tax wise if they've been trying to like do it themselves or going to someone else like do you find that a lot well i i do i find that with every business person just because like i said they're just not organized like most business people are not organized they don't like value like just organization and keeping track of their income and expenses. And I, I mean, as a, on a very like generic basic level, something I do, which I, you know, I share often is I just, um, you know, I, I years ago I, when I was doing my taxes, I used to, I used to, um, I had re- every, I would just, I would always throw my receipts in a paper bag, throw my receipts in a paper bag. And at the round tax time, I would pull everything out and I'd take a spreadsheet and I, and I start putting everything on that spreadsheet. And it would take me days. And my, my girlfriend at the time, she was like, well, why don't you just write it on there when it happens? And I was like, oh, that, that makes sense. So since 2000. <laughs> 2000 something that simple. Something that simple, huh? <laughs> so since 2005, I've literally been doing that. Like I have, a, I have spreadsheets that every time I have a business expense or income I receive, I just put it on there. And it, it just that simple process alone, because you go through a year, you might have spent money on this, you spent money, but you you don't you may not remember, you may not have put the receipt in the right place, you all types of stuff. So if you don't if you're not organized, when you come see your, your tax person, they're trying to pull they're trying to pull information out of you. You don't know, you can't fill it out properly. Like the information request, you can't fill out the forms or whatever. It's just like it's like you get your taxes done, but you're not probably not receiving the, the best benefit for what you are trying to do because you you didn't come to the table prepared how you could have been. Plus, you know, you, if you can't like quantify how well your properties are performing, you know, 
you can't, you don't really know if, how well you're doing it. You, like you might say, oh yeah, I'm making $300 a month in cash. Or, yeah, I'm making four, I make whatever the case may be. But you know, really, once you really break everything down, you might only be making like $10 or you might be underwater because, but you don't really know because you don't yeah. have a way of really tracking it or you don't know, you might, you can, you can also see trends and your numbers and all types of stuff when you, when you had that stuff written down. So that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good gem for our people out there who own businesses. Like, um, and it sounds like very simple, but just being organized right there and writing things down as it happens right. can help you in terms of, that's a great piece of advice right there. Um, but, you know, you were telling me that uh, you started with real estate, you got the taxes, and, you know, lately, you, over the last couple of years at least, you got into stocks and even crypto. Right. So crypto um, first then stocks. Crypto yeah. first then stocks. Okay. So um in terms of crypto, what what led you into wanting to learn about crypto or investing in crypto? Uh FOMO, fear of missing out, let me into crypto. Um I would say like two thousand six there's this I'm on this uh, I'm in this like website, this online it's a good honest answer. <laughs> That's what it was. I'm on this I was in this online community and this guy had posted something about uh they said like the uh, the net Google's Bitcoin, the next big thing, and then we were talking about a, a cryptocurrency called Ripple. I didn't know anything about it, but I and I saw it like at the time it was like point oh oh six cents. That's what the guy was saying it was. And at the time I was like, ah, it was right before tax season, like December twenty sixteen. And I I know how I am. Like if I get into something, like I get into it, and I wanted to be focused on tax season, so I just I was like, I ain't worrying about it. I'm you know whatever it's probably a scam anyway whatever I ain't, I ain't got time for that so then like March March came around and the guy posted like it went from 0.006 cents so less than a penny to now it was four cents and I'm like oh ain't four cents like and I, I, I was like yo yeah, you start moving that decimal point you was like damn <laughs> like hold up so I was like oh man let me uh I gotta t- check this out a little more so I went to I went like the guy had posted some videos. I was like, oh man, let me figure out how to sign up for something. So I went to some of the exchanges, but the exchanges did sign up for, they were asking for so much information and personal information. They wanted my like uh, uh, bank statement, all, like ID, all this stuff. I was like, oh man, it ain't that serious. I, I'm, I'm cool. But then um, I think like a week or two after that, the guy posted it was like from 0.06 cents, now six cents. I was like, oh, that's when the FOMO took over, took over hundred <laughs> percent. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't care what they want, whatever they want, they got it. I'm a, I'm signing. But come to find out, it was a, like this. They also the guy posted another link to like the Coinbase, and at Coinbase at the time it was very simple. They weren't asked for all the information, so I just I started with thirty dollars. I think I bought thirty dollars worth of Ripple. Um, at one point, I think my that that I I was buying. It did drop back down. I think like four four or five cents. I was buying all the way up to like. I don't know, maybe like 10, 15 cents. I think it, it went up to like May in May or June of that year. It went up to like, I want to say like in the high 40s or something, uh, 40 cents. And I was just like, whoa, whoa this, you know, this is crazy. I had, um, I bought a course. Um, I bought a course because it was like so much information was so much coming at me. Like with, with crypto, it was just, it was, it was so hot. And it was just like, it, every, everybody had information. I couldn't really like, um, distinguish what was what should I be focused on what I shouldn't be so I I was able to find this course um I I paid for the course I took the course I I took the course like you know it was like an online course recording so I watched it like I don't know like three four five times until I could until I could really start grasping the concepts even you know even now I'm still still learning but I mean I'm I'm way better than I was back then 
And then also with the course was like um, daily market updates. So I was just able to just learn, learn, learn out. I mean, the, the market topped out at the beginning of January, 2018, you know, I, and the guy, one of the guys that lead the course, like his favorite saying at the time, like he was just talking about how like he, he just wasn't happy with the markets. Like everything's is the prices are too high. And he, but he kept saying, like, you know, if you've made life-changing amounts of money, you need to cash out. You need to go into cash. Like, I'm telling you, go into cash. And I was just like, ah, man, I don't know what you're talking about. So, I mean, I, I watched, you know, uh, account go from, you know, a lot goes from a lot of money to, like, not anywhere. There may be, like, 10% of what it was in, like, a month or two. And I was like, dang. I should have cashed out. He told me to cash out. But what's interesting about that, and um, it was another guest we had passed, and I said the same thing. I said it's interesting to me about um, FOMO is real. How many people got into it based upon FOMO, but it also led you to getting into the stock market, right? Right, exactly. And there's a lot of people who are into the stock market now because of cryptocurrency that like wet their feet and then made them like go back and say, well, let me start studying this market. And um, so I found that interesting. So when you started to study the market, like, you know, um, how'd that work out and, and what kind of investor do you consider yourself within the stock market? Oh, I'm, I'm, I guess it was a very neophyte. I mean, I had been buying stocks like just off of like gut feelings, you know, for a long period of time. And I, like one, I had bought a, uh, what's that stock called? I had like I when when Bitcoin was going crazy or was like was coiling upwards. There was a Wall Street Journal had an article and they talked about two companies that were making um making uh that everybody the, the GPU rigs whatever they're called that were that the miners used to mine Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency. And there was two companies in the Nvidia and and um. AMD. And AMD and AMD and I looked at Nvidia and it was like 160, 170 dollars. I was like, oh, it's too rich for my blood. And, and AMD was like twelve dollars a share. So I was like, I, I can get a hundred of those. So I just like little <laughs> stuff like that. You know, years before that, buying like Facebook because you know I, I use Facebook buying Liberty Tax because I'm a Liberty Tax. But that, those are like that was like my strategy. But now, um, I mean, stocks. I would say it's a lot. It's a lot trickier. Well, I would say my style is more. Um, uh, I would guess like long-term holder um, as far as like trying to find value value in the market and also like stuff that pays dividends. Um, but with stocks versus crypto, I would say stocks is more like fundamentals matter a lot more in stocks than they do in crypto. Crypto is a lot more uh, technical analysis. So you can kind of just look at the charts and like everything's to, for the most part, everything's like a slave to Bitcoin, all the altcoins. But mm-hmm. the stocks, you know, you have you have real products back in these things. You have real financials, and so it's a lot. It's a lot more research and and um, I would say skill to get involved. I mean, to really like do well. And I'm I'm still like trying to still learning this process. So I wouldn't call myself an extra as well, but I am constantly funding my stock account, constantly you know learning. And I figure it's like with anything else, like you put the time in. I think it's what is like. Uh, Five thousand hours to mastery, or something like 10, that. Ten thousand hours. Ten thousand. Ten thousand yeah, to mastery. The, the, the Malcolm Gladwell theory, but yeah. Um, so that's interesting. That's interesting that it led you to that. So now you know you, you have your you have your real estate, which is a part of your portfolio. You you buying your stocks and and your crypto, and I mean, so you've you've put together a, a mean financial package right there. You got the the, the franchise and 
So congratulations on all, you know, all your success and everything that you got going on. But what, what's the future hold for you? Like, you want to get more franchises, more real estate? What's, what's the future hold? So the future for me is, I mean, I kind of see myself more, uh, I got a book in my head that I've been just procrastinating right to write. Uh, I got to get that out, get that out on paper. Um, and then just want to be more of like an investor, like investing it, learning more about, you know, the markets, you know, I didn't, didn't, you know, two years ago, I didn't know that speculation was a real, real, a real business that people put a lot of money into. Uh, so learning to be a better, you know, just, market analysts let learn to be a better uh investor like want to be an angel investing project i mean angel, angel investing is you know is basically is was crypto before crypto was crypto as far as the returns that you can get in uh angel investing so just just really trying to be be a better investor and then actually you know when i feel comfortable at a point where i can just kind of share that information and and help other people do the same i mean i, I have like can't see my behind i mean in front of me but i have my goals list like I have three different goals lists up here that I'm, you know, trying to trying to accomplish. Um, but it's just more like it's more, you know, creating income streams that don't require, uh, like that aren't limited to like a, a specific location. Like just kind of in in investing. I mean, I'm I've been in that group that I was talking about earlier. I mean, I had an opportunity to meet out meet with them in in Amsterdam this past year. I mean, this year this summer and just kind of seeing their lifestyle and the stuff that they're doing. I mean. You know, basically people just in their thirties live working from a laptop, you know, and, and not limited geographically to how they're you know. I, I see I see one thing that um that, that that's interesting is you've mentioned like passive income and in, in, in maybe several times, like not even consciously doing it, just in their conversation. So you're big on you're big on I guess trying at least um automating or trying to automate and um doing as little as possible, making as much as possible. Right. He well, said he's the, the the lazy aggressive guy. Lazy, ambitiously <laughs> lazy. Ambitious. I like that. That's, that's not that's not me. That's not originally. I, a, I have the first person I heard say there's a guy named uh, Brian Lyles way back in like 2001, 2002. He used to, he was a top guy in a uh, prepaid legal back in the day. But that was his thing. He's ambitious, lazy. And I was like, yeah, me too. Me too. Ambitious, <laughs> lazy. <laughs> got you. Got you. So. Man, um, you've given us a lot of information and a lot of gems. I, I think the um, couple things that I'll take away from this is uh, you're constantly looking to improve yourself. Like, you know, you don't mind investing in yourself. You said you bought a course. So I'm picking up on what you're saying. You bought a course. You write your goals down. So you're big on self-improvement. That's one thing. Um, organization. But before you, I would say like none of this is even would even be possible without like the, the, the self-improvement part. I mean, I'm a, like, I like a, a Jim Rohn, like a lot of his stuff. I used to, I listen, I probably have like got like a, a, a degree in just Jim Rohn's philosophy just from this. He has a CD series called the weekend seminars, like 12, this I for like two years of my life. That's probably like all I listen to like every day. And yeah. So I'm just, a huge, I'm a huge Jim Rohn fan too. So I, I'm, I'm very familiar um with Jim Rohn, you know, um, what's the one, uh, seven strategies of like wealth and happiness uh, or something like that. So yeah. And you know, he wrote the um the Pillars book. So I'm very familiar with Jim Roman and and he's a life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so self improvement is, is is crucial to you. So um let me ask you a question though, right? Getting yes, back sir. to the books, because you gave us a couple books that, you know, if you had to narrow it down to the your top three books for someone to walk away after watching this and they had to get three books that can encompass financial or uh self improvement, what would you say are your top three books? 
Because uh, we mentioned maybe we did this. We mentioned maybe like six, seven books already. But what do you yeah. think would be if you had to give me like your top like, three books that you're someone asked you? I I think it really depends. Just depends on where you are in life. Like if I'm just if I'm like brand new person to like this whole space of like personal development, financial improvement, financial literacy, I would probably say I would start with um, Rich Dad Poor Dad, uh, Think and Grow Rich, and uh, I would probably say either. The Millionaire Next Door, or uh, and you know, my the guy, uh, why should white guys have all the fun? Yeah, but I mean, there's that's a good, that's a good three, four books, right? That's a good one, but I mean, but at the same time, like, there's just there's so many good books out there. Just oh, absolutely, absolutely. Listen, man, there's there's tons of books out there, you know what I'm saying? Core, if I I never asked you that question, if I tell you to give me three, what would you say would be three you'd recommend somebody? Uh, outside, outside of Own Your Time and Space, which is a book written by myself and Corey, outside of that, we're going to take our book off the shelf, Corey. Outside of that, oh, right. give me three books you would say. Um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Good one. Um, the uh, um, uh, Tough, right? Yeah, like, cause, cause we we go through a, we go through a ton of books. Um, uh, wow. Um, the four the four hour work week. Oh, four, I, the four the four hour work week. Um, okay. and that's, that's um, for that's for you gr- aggressive lazy folks out there. <laughs> <laughs> ambitiously, ambitiously. I'm sorry, ambitiously, ambitiously. And, and um, uh, I. It's tough to pick I, hate to, I, yeah, I hate to I hate to go back to Kiyosaki, but uh, the the um the one with the uh God, you about to steal my the, answer, man. The, the one with the with the one with the the, the one you, we use for the, for the slides. Yeah, you are you stealing my answer, cash flow quadrant because that cash was one flow of my quadrant. cash flow quadrant. That's, that's the one. Yeah, because I, I done read all of the Kiyosaki ones, but the cash flow quadrant was my favorite. Mine too. I think that that gets back to like financial literacy, like just yeah. really, you know. He, I think he he simplified, he simple helps simplify like financial literacy, which I think sometimes people make it harder than it has to be. But absolutely, they do. Like, and it, they're, oh, they're, and, um, and another one. I'm sorry. How to win? Fl- how to win friends and influence people? Oh yeah, definitely. definitely. I, yeah, I, there, I there's um, so. that's a good one. Yo, for me, right? So I, I just off the top of the, the top of the dome, and I read all kinds of books, read thousands of books, but. Right now, um, Cash Flow Quadrant, that's my favorite Kiyosaki book. That book literally yeah. changed my life. It's funny because I always say this. Everybody was on Rich Dad Poor Dad, but it was something about that book and the way he um, broke down the quadrant yeah. and explained it that just hit me. It, like, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, oh, okay. All right. Definitely. So that made sense to me. Um, uh, right now, I would say The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins is a book that I've actually um, I've read a while ago, and I just recently reread that. Um, and that stuck with me, The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins, and what I consider my Bible damn near, Powernomics. Um, uh, oh, man, I forgot about Powernomics. Powernomics is probably the reason, that's probably the reason I'm sitting here, like, we sitting here having this conversation is, is, is some of the talk um, in that book. So, those be my but, three, but I, I can give a hundred. But you know, I I just want I did want to add like three books that I read this year that were kind of like yeah, power, powerful. We love we love, so, we love um, book talk. <laughs> I've read like this book called uh, "Not Fade Away." It was about this guy who um, he died like in his, at 45, but he was like a I don't know 
he's like a billionaire or a hundred. I don't. He was high up there in net worth, but there was I a. Heard that. I remember right that they said not fade away. Not fade. It was like a guy in his in his um underwear jumping out like jumping into like the ski into like a uh, snow jumping into the snow like okay. this guy was um I was listening to uh uh the four hour work week author what's his name um can't think of whatever his name yeah, is yeah yeah he um, had a guy on there um his podcast uh. What the hell? Tim, 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 Tim Ferris, Tim Ferris, Tim Ferris, Tim Ferris. Yeah, he had a guy on there that he interviewed named Noah Keegan. Noah is like a you know, is a forty year old billionaire. I think he might have been. Okay, 30. I know who you talking about. But but he he talks about like he's a he's a um a venture capitalist and he was like you know what's the one book that you make all your people read and he was like you know not fade away like I feel like everybody had to read this book yeah I'm familiar with Noah Keegan I somehow got on his newsletter I don't remember ever signing up for it but dude he sending me emails all the time so I, <laughs> <laughs> he somehow got my info I, I filled out something or whatever but I know exactly who Noah Keegan is but but that book is just him. about this this guy's life story and how he you know basically from thirty to forty five he went from like a a ski bum, like literally, was a ski bum to being like, you know, the heads of of multi billion dollar uh, cable companies. Um, so that okay. one, this other one I read called the Surrender Experiment. Um, it was just it's just more about like how this guy just his whole just just letting go of things in life, and he just wanted to being like super successful. Wanted from going from like a a guy that that basically lived lived in the woods off of nothing to having like a, a multi million dollar like uh, medical software writing company like just it's a crazy story i mean you know it, it, but it's a really good book um and then also uh this is also a, a book that i heard on um tim ferris's show uh and his book is called the one person one million dollar business this talks about like a woman who it's actually the book is about uh, a, a writer from uh some magazine who actually interviewed people who who implemented the four hour work weeks uh strategies and have are living them and she took whatever whatever she learned from it and put it she learned from them from interviewing them and put it into a book the one person one million dollar business like the book is not like it's not like revolutionary or anything but it was it's it's a cool read i i really enjoyed it okay uh, this, this year. i appreciate that because i haven't you know and in, in yeah, i never I'm, heard I'm, of that i'm book. in the books but i haven't yeah. read, i read none of those books like so that's 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 dope for me um recently i i read a couple of good books um that we actually just had the author on on one book that I read as uh, called Bitcoin and Black America, um, which is yeah. to me was a phenomenal book because it was written for our people, but it's about Bitcoin. And I'm reading another Bitcoin book now. It just happens to be like, so I, I read a book a week. So in between that book, the book that I'm currently reading this week is called uh, Bitcoin Billionaires um, about the, the, the Winklevoss twins. And that's, uh-huh. a, that's, it's a very interesting book though. Like, it's a, it's a it's a it's a pretty good book. It's probably gonna be a movie one day. But it's a, the guy who wrote the um book that the Social Network movie was based on actually wrote this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting to see their their journey through like the the crypto space. But uh, man, I appreciate all those go- those book recommendations because we love talking about books on here, man. So, you know, and we want to keep you forever, man. But I definitely want to say thank you for your time. Um, I'll your definitely time, be sending man. people your way, man. It's Thanks good to, to see a brother like, that looks like us that's out here doing amazing, positive things. You're expanding your business. You're an investor. Um, so I know a lot of people will get a lot of value from this. And um, I just want to wish you much continued success in the future, man. I uh, appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank, yeah, thank Corey, you got anything before we get out of here, good brother? Yeah, don't forget to come join us on the 26th. We're going to be at uh, 
Atiolas at um from three to seven. Bring your friends, bring your family, bring twenty dollars, and come join us. We trying to bring attention to businesses that put put things back into our community. And so, if you have the time, or if you don't have the time, if you had the money and you still want to donate, get with us. If you have the time, come down and join us, and, and enjoy yourself and have some food and some fun and bring some money to this business so that we can help build black businesses that give back to our community. Thanks. Great food, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and I just want to like point that out. So um, on the 26th, we're having an event, um, and you can go to our IG page because, uh, you know, we're going to start flooding that with the uh, flyer for um, for this event. But what we're trying to do is we, we sit online all day and talk about support black business. So one of the reasons we had this show was to bring on black business owners. So, like, you know, you're going to leave uh, Camille's information within the description box. So looking for an accounting, need your taxes done, you know who to hit him up. Um, but this event on the 26th, we're actually going to this restaurant. Um, it's a restaurant that pours back into the community. So we figure, as opposed to just sitting online all day, like typing, support black business, do this, do that, we're actually going to do it. We're going to make it happen. We're going to actually go to this place. We're going to show up, and we want everybody to spend $20. It's a minimum of $20, and um, we'll go from there. But, um, again, Camille, man, I just want to say thank you again, good brother. Uh, no Thanks, you know, as we always say, people out there listening, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game elevates, man, and we'll see y'all next time. Peace. Peace.